All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, and anxiety spectrum disorders and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, For those of you who are new, this is a question and answer based podcast. You can send me questions if you go to fearcastpodcast.com. Click on the Submit a Question link, write your question there, I will get it, read it, consider it, and likely put it up on a future episode. As I've mentioned before, audio questions are my preference, and we've gotten a bunch in the past couple of weeks, so today is going to be another audio question. As I've mentioned before, audio questions get preferential treatment, and they go to the tippity-top of the list. So you can send me uh, a shared Google link over at uh, shared Google Drive link of your recorded audio. Um, uh, You can email me the link at fearcastpodcast.com. You can go over to Instagram. I am fearcastpodcast over there. And you can send me, uh, in there you can um, uh, send me a DM, click on the little microphone button, record your question there, um, and uh, send it to me there. Um, something interesting about the Instagram ones, if you send me a question there, it limits you to a, a, a minute, but if you just uh, record um, mul- your question over multiple minutes, I can, through the magic of the internet and magic of technology, I can splice them all together. So I did get a question recently that way, um, and it was over the course of like six um minute long thing. So it's going to be a big question. I don't know if I'm going to edit it down. We will see. But today's question is actually coming through um, uh, through a shared Google Drive. So it is getting to the tippity top of the list. So I'll try to power through this. I only have a few minutes before my next session. So it, it might be shorter than normal. But um, I'm excited for this one. It should be it should be relatively interesting. I, I, I really like it. Um, I, I want to I want to have a brief shout out right here to, and I'm going to mess up these names. I super apologize. Bronwyn Schroyer, Bronwyn Schroyer, and Katie Marote. I think it's Marote. Katie Marote. Thank you so much to those two folks. I recently um, participated in their um, ICBT training. Uh, previously, I'd, I'd had Carl um, Robbins, because they Carl Rogers, uh, Carl Robbins on um, to talk about uh, to talk about what he what he called IBT. Um, they are calling it ICBT. I'm seeing ICBT show up a bunch more. It's inferential based cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, simply called IBCBT. Anyways, the whole point is there are way too many stinking acronyms in therapy land. They're annoying to me, so I can't even imagine what it's like to be um, everybody else. So anyways, I hope we're all in the same boat with the annoyance. Anyhow, so I um, I participated in their training for um, ICBT, and it was super interesting, super helpful for me to really understand what was going on with it, um, how it works. Um, you know, there, there are some questions that I still have, but, you know, I'm learning about how to incorporate this, and I think that it can very much uh, stand on its own, very much dovetail into traditional treatments, especially for some people who it doesn't resonate with. I was using it with some folks this week, using techniques of it, different modules within it, um, and found it very helpful. So we might be talking a little bit more about that or kind of using some of those tools and techniques as I integrate that uh, into my uh, treatment vocabulary. Is not to say, and I don't, you know, it's, it's 
early to say, and I'm hesitant to say that ICBT is going to take over because I, I, I tend to not think that it will for everybody. I think that there are a lot of these different tools and techniques that are going to apply to some people and really resonate with some people. And for others, they're very much not. So I like that there are multiple different tools and approaches and methods and, and frameworks for it because Guess what? We all different. And some people are going to hear things differently than uh, in, from one person and hear it differently from another person. And then you're, you're going to resonate more with one approach than another. And that's fantastic. Ultimately, getting to the, the end point, which is trying to help people recover from their OCD and anxiety, get back to their life. So anyways, shout out to both of them. Thank you so much for letting me be part of that training. And I will um, shoosh from here on out. So um, so with that being said, uh, I'm going to play this audio, this question from the listener, and then I will uh, jump back on later. So here is the question from Roger. Hello. I have hyper-awareness OCD. The focus of it can shift from my breath or my pulse or any other bodily sensation. The main fear in it is that this, this sensation will never go away and I will never be able to stop thinking about it, thus ruining whatever else it is that I'm trying to do at the time because my mind is preoccupied with my obsession. I have worked with a psychiatrist to help treat this via mindfulness meditations, scriptings, and other exercises which I found very helpful. However, I have one recurring problem in my hyper-awareness OCD. It can be associated with certain things. I might be watching a film, a TV series, or playing some new video game, and at some point during this, I start thinking about my pulse, my breath, or any other bodily sensation. For the sake of example, let's use a computer game and that my hyper-awareness OCD is focusing on my breath. I'm playing a new computer game that I've been looking forward to playing. Shortly after starting it, my thoughts drift to my breath. Oh, I'm breathing manually. I feel like every breath has to be consciously made. That's kind of distracting. I'm trying to focus on the game I'm looking forward to right now, but my thoughts are so preoccupied with my breath that I can't think of anything else. Should my breath just be automatic? Eventually, if this goes on long enough, I find that I start to associate the game itself with breathing manually. At this point, it turns into a vicious cycle, since whenever I play the game again, my thoughts immediately go back to my manual breathing, or whatever else my hyper-awareness chooses to fixate on, and I have a really hard time disconnecting from this, which reinforces this whole cycle the next time I play it. Once in this state of breathing manually, I find it exhausting to break out of, and it can stay for hours or even days after I last played the game in question. During this time, I'll try to distract myself any way I can from the fact of manual breathing with other distractions. I'll start avoiding playing the game altogether, or avoid thinking about it or talking about it for fear of getting trapped in that state of manually breathing. I know that this avoidance of triggers is counter to what the ERP teaches, but I find that this mental trap is so exhausting to get out of, it's very easy to throw in the towel and not to engage at all, uh, it's without, at all in the first place. I have tried approaching this by purposely thinking about my breath either during meditation or during playing the game, or by seeking out a game that puts me in this exact state of mind. But even when I try staying with this feeling, I don't feel like it's helping me. Even when I purposefully seek out my obsession, it still lingers far longer than I would like it to, and I never feel like I get really habituated to it. It's, even when I do eventually stop thinking about it, the cycle starts anew when I try the game again. Uh, this is just an example. The obsession about could also be related to my heartbeat or the sensation of a piece of fabric on my body, and it could be for a TV series or a film instead of a computer game. My question is, am I approaching this obsession of manual breathing in the wrong way by treating it as something I should habituate to, or do you have an alternative suggestion for how I could better treat this? I have made a lot of progress with ERP exercises in other areas in my life, but this one frustratingly doesn't seem to budge. Keep up the great podcast. 
All right, Roger. Thank you so much for sending in that audio question. I think that your experience, I think, is I've heard that before. I've heard other people make these associations. I've heard other people also have this this idea of what treatment for sensory motor OCD looks like and how, how you're supposed to proceed through it. Generally speaking, what you're doing is what the average person would do in a classically trained, um, kind of typical gold standard approach for OCD. Find out the thing that's bugging you, do the thing that's bugging you, uh, tolerate, and uh, as older language would be, habituate to the thing that's bothering you, right? So typically, I mean, what you're talking about, Roger, is coming from a habituation model, which is kind of a, 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 a very tried and true method, but it's this idea that you are going to habituate to, in other words, get used to the thing that's bugging you, the trigger. Um, you're going to just get used to it, right? Uh, and, there, and then therefore, it's not going to bother you as much, anxiety comes down, symptom reduction is going to come down, etc. Um, joy ensues. So, the conversation has shifted through a bunch of different things. We've talked about the, the inhibitory learning model, which is the idea that, that we don't habituate, we learn that the thing that we're afraid of isn't dangerous. And therefore, the compulsions are unnecessary. To a certain degree, ICBT is going to talk about the same sort of approaches where it's going to challenge the, the legitimacy of that story that your brain is telling you. And you're going to learn that the compulsion that you're doing is unnecessary. Now, through all of these um, different therapeutic approaches, compulsions are ultimately going to be the enemy. It is going to be the, the compulsions are the problem. So any way that we can help you pull back on compulsive behavior, that is going to be the ticket out of this. And that's, th- that's the magic. If we can figure out how to help you reduce and have willingness to reduce compulsions, awesome. Now, within all of this, acceptance and commitment therapy is going to be helpful in terms of accepting the presence of thoughts, again, while resisting compulsive behavior and letting that anxiety progressively ride out and letting, and perhaps even from a Michael Greenberg approach, shifting our focus away from the stimulus, away from the, the quote, problem through compulsion or through monitoring or through rumination and letting go of that battle. Now, I've gone through a bunch of different approaches and ultimately all of them, I think, are getting towards the end purpose of reducing compulsions, right? So, uh, Roger, one of the things you were talking about here was trying to um, manually control your breathing, right? And that's a common belief for folks with, and, and I know we're, I'm just going to pick on the breathing here because that was kind of your example, but it can very much go for other, other things. So with breathing and sensory motor uh, uh, obsessions, it's this concern that, you know, what if, um, you know, one for breathing, what if I stop breathing? What if I have to breathe manually now? Or what if my attention is going to be on my breathing forever? And that's obnoxious, right? So it gets in the way of things that you enjoy. It gets in the way of video games. Oh no, I'm distracted by thinking about my breathing or controlling my breathing in this conversation with my wife or in this business meeting or in class or in trying to do a presentation or just trying to go fishing or whatever it might be, whatever the thing that you do, it's that breathing is going to be there. And we can talk about that for, um, we can talk about that for hearing. We can talk about that for heart rate. We can talk about that for eye floaters, talk about for sensations in various parts of your body, fill in the blank. Okay. The common belief would be, especially from a traditional ERP perspective, is focus on the thing that's bothering you. For you, Roger, the thing that's bothering you is your breathing. So obviously, let's focus on your breathing. The problem is is that we aren't really going to habituate to breathing. We need to breathe. 
need to breathe. If, if you're not breathing, that's the problem, right? And I suppose that's maybe part of that fear, and we'll talk about that briefly. So with this worry, we actually need to do a tremendous shift away from this mindset and say the target, your enemy here, Roger, is not the breathing. It is, it is twofold. It is the story about, what's gonna, about what the breathing is going to do to you and your belief that focusing on your breathing and controlling your breathing is the ticket out. Okay, let's deal with the second one first. Compulsions will only make the problem worse. I'll say that until the day I die. And if I say it after I die, that's a problem. You're hearing things, I'm a ghost, or you're listening to the podcast. So I guess that's going to live on until the internet dies. Anyways, that's an existential thing. We're going to talk about that at a whole other time. Or we won't. Anyways, point is. All right, so it's it, compulsions are the biggest problem in all of this. Your effort to try to control your breathing and to make it go away is the problem. So we want to be pulling back on that and resisting the urge to do that. So one thing that you can, one thing that you can mainly do is, is first back off of your control over the breathing. Acknowledge that it's there because in reality, in this present moment, it is there. Your attention is on your breathing. Like we've talked about the reality of the rain outside. If it is raining, we can say, yes, it is raining. It would be crazy of us to look outside, see that it's raining, and then pretend like it's not raining, right? Okay. We say, yes, it is raining. It may not be my favorite, but there it is. We know the storm will pass because it always has. What I want you to reflect back on, Roger, is that this anxiety, the attention on this will eventually pass because it will eventually shift on over to something else. And then it may shift back. It will shift back, but that's okay. We are learning this process. Our attention is going to shift and the story in our mind is going to shift onto one thing and then onto another. It is when we start to make a big deal about a thought or a big deal about a sensation that we continually press the refresh button on that and it just maintains. Now, sometimes I will say the, the, the frustrating part about compulsions is that sometimes they work and that it, sometimes it does make that thought or that feeling dissipate. And that is what makes the reinforcement schedule keep happening. All right. So we're trying to let that thought and awareness go as much as we can by shifting back, letting go of our compulsive effort, taking that risk that, boy, maybe that, maybe that attention is never going to go away. Maybe you're always going to have that nagging feeling that you're going to be thinking about your breathing and you need to manually control your breathing. And that's the risk that we take when we let go of our control over it and reshift and re-engage with something that's more important. So in this story, the video game playing. Now, okay. So the other thing I wanted to mention is the association. You said what's incredibly frustrating, and I hear that, is the association your brain has made. And then, you know, if you're going through this highly emotional or highly stressful thing while you're playing this video game, then when you go back and play the video game, you start thinking about that, right? Okay. So I wanted to share a little story. So when I was first, um, I'll show two stories. One is happier than the other. So when um, uh, when I was first uh, dating the missus, when she was my girlfriend, we, you know, I we I spent way too much money when we went to Disneyland because at the time any Disney, I mean. Disneyland tickets were expensive as heck, but anyways, at the time it was bonkers expensive for me. So we we go to Disneyland and we're having a lot of fun. Um, 
she at the time um, was tricking me into using hand sanitizer because kids are discussing it. And this is even pre-plague. So this was like before uh, everything was weird. Anyway, so what happened was we, um, oh my gosh, my computer box, shoosh. Oh, that's what's happening emails. All right. Shush emails. Oh my gosh, they keep coming. All right. So what, ha- what, let me go back to this. All right. So, um, she's having to do this hand, this hand sanitizer stuff. It was this warm vanilla smell from, um, probably bed, bath and beyond or something like that. It, I was having such a wonderful time with her and at, after every ride and on every ride or whatever it was, we were using this hand sanitizer. I have made this incredible association between Disneyland and that smell. Whenever, ever anybody has that smell anywhere near near me, I go, oh my gosh. And I, I, I immediately get thoughts of Disneyland. Specifically, I get thoughts of being in line on Space Mountain, standing outside in the sun. That is my immediate association with that. And that has not changed in probably 15 years. That has not changed once. That was there because I had a highly emotional experience doing it at a place. And our brain is wonderful in that it can make these very quick, very thorough associations. Now, I'll give you another one. So a bunch of years ago, we were trying to have kids and having a lot of trouble. And, and um, we, over Christmas break, we would tend to do um, a puzzle right? If I, I wouldn't work between Christmas and New Year and we'd do this puzzle um, um, because we were old even this was a while ago. Anyways, so we do a puzzle. We had found out that there was we were going to have some trouble uh, having kids and um, it was, I had to break the news over this puzzle. I had learned the news and then I had to share it with the missus. And, you know, it was, it was, it only was over the course of maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes of having this discussion. But we were at the table in the house that we were renting where the puzzle was out. And, you know, lots of tears, lots of stress, lots of fears about what our future was going to look like. It was this sense of devastation. It was, um, you know, a, a shift in the focus of what our life was going to look like, right? Um, and, you know, a worry about now what the path was going to be. Anyways, all of that was taking place over the course of this puzzle. My brain has associated the infertility discussion with that puzzle. We have since done puzzles and even redone other puzzles, and which has been fine. I will not, this is dumb, I will not do that puzzle again because my joke is that puzzle causes infertility and I don't want to do that one again. It's dumb. It's a dumb superstition and we probably will do it again. We have not gotten rid of it. And I don't think that that puzzle causes infertility, but I have this strong association with that puzzle and infertility. Okay. Why do I tell you these stories? It's because your brain, Roger, has made an incredibly strong association between video games or whatever task you're doing and your sensory motor obsessions, especially when you're fighting it and getting involved with it during that. Now, what is there to do about that? Nothing. Nothing other than to say, there it is. There's my association. Of course I'm going to have this association. And you know what? Thank you, brain. Thank you, Roger's brain, for giving me this wonderful thought, to give me this wonderful association, to have this wonderful technique and tool and skill and ability to make this strong association. Great. In another context, that's going to be incredibly beneficial to you. But for right now, while you're playing that video game, you're going, I don't want it. Tough. It's raining outside. Yes, it is. 
Now, that association may be with you forever. And we're going to say, okay. But that doesn't mean you need to then get back into controlling your breathing. It doesn't then mean the thought about that, that the, the obsession is going to be there forever. It's going to be there for that time that you're thinking about it and for that time that you are triggered towards it. And the storm will pass when you let it pass. Okay. So at the end of the day, we're still trying to let it go. Now, I want to also challenge and push against that, that main fear. Now, sometimes we, I, I'll ask like, man, where does, this, where does this feared story even come from? Where is this worry coming from? Now, I get that desire to do, like to, to uh, focus on the breathing, right? You've heard through my podcast, through other podcasts, books, articles, whatever, that um, with, with ERP, find the thing you're afraid of, do the thing that you're afraid of. All right, I get that. Right? But where did you get the idea that this thought will never go away? The reality is, Roger, it has. Think about your experience. Have you ever in your life had a thought or a feeling that was there forever? And I'm not talking about for a long time, for a couple of hours, for a couple of days. And you'll even push against those. The reality is no thought you've ever had has been there forever. Ever our brain gets real bored real fast and it gets it gets pulled into attention and, and pulled into this thought and that thought and reminds you that time that you were five and, and makes you think about what's going to happen in 10 years. It, it's going to be all over the place. It's all over the place for me as I'm, I'm giving you this or having you having this discussion, doing this recording. My brain is all over the place. Point is, we have these associations and the association and the awareness of it will indeed pass, when we let it pass. I want you to remind yourself that that obsession is going to pass whether or not you do your compulsion. And in fact, when you resist attending to it, resist trying to force that thought, it will become easier. And, that, and when you, you will give your brain more opportunity to get bored with that and more engrossed with something else when we allow ourselves to redirect towards something that's more valuable, more meaningful. The other thing I want to say is that you can that scripting is still important. Scripting can still be very, very helpful. Provided it's to a story about your thought or the awareness never ever going away. It's not to be on your breath. Your, go, your job then, as you're reading the script about your, your attention never going away, uh, or never going away on the breathing or whatever it may be, is 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 to then practice noticing as you're reading that story, you're going to be thinking about your breath. Yeah, of course it is, right? Why wouldn't it be? If I talk about Disneyland, you're probably going to think about rides or how much you hate Disneyland, whoever, you know, whatever your position is on Disneyland. And it's to then say, yeah, there's my association. And now I'm going to shift back to my story. Because in this moment, the thought is there, but historically speaking, you know, it's going to go away. So we're going to let your experience speak louder than your fear. Your experience speak louder than that voice that says, but what if it never goes away? Gosh, Roger, you know what you ought to do? You ought to focus on your breathing. You ought to control it, stamp it down, habituate to it, control it. That ain't going to work. Because historically speaking, Roger, it hasn't. Has it? So, 
we're going to acknowledge it and we're going to then let it go. Okay. So, um, oh, I was going to say something else about this. My goodness. <laughs> oh, the other thing that you can practice as well is attention training. Now, I'll let you Google this. Attention training is, is building that muscle of practicing, focusing on one thing, shifting your focus to something else to notice that, and then shifting back. I might have done a, a, a um, attention training exercise. On a, I probably did an, uh, an exercise on a previous episode, maybe a recent episode. Google attention training. There's a bunch of YouTube videos that talk about it. It ain't magic, and the goal isn't to suppress the thought, but instead to gently shift your focus. And it can be from your thoughts to your sensations, to the things outside of you, back to your sensations, back to your thoughts, back to different thoughts, back to different sensations, right? And holding space for different sensations at the same time, right? Um, maybe an exercise for this way to think about this is playing a song, put headphones in, play a song, and really focus on just one instrument at a time. Turn your attention towards what the guitar sounds like, what the flute sounds like, what the accordion sounds like, whatever instrument you're listening to. And then practice shifting to the drums or to the marionette. That's not an instrument. Shifting over to marimba, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Shifting over to different different sounds within that. That is building your attention your ability to shift your attention. That is attention training. Now, it can happen with all sorts of things. You can do that physically, just with your body. You can do that cognitively with different thoughts. Now, in a sense, this is building your mindfulness skills of being present. So, there are a lot of ways to go about doing this. A lot of people call it different things, but the point is to not get sucked into or get... um, uh, uh, particularly grabbed onto by one thought versus everything else. All right. So, Roger, I hope some of this made sense. I hope this has helped you to kind of reevaluate what your tact ought to be and what your what your focus ought to be in relationship to these obsessions and maybe give you another thing to think about as you move forward with these obsessions. So again, practicing acceptance with the fact that you have that association. Play old video games, and when that thought comes up, you're going to go, yeah, of course I'm going to think about that, right? If I go to Bed Bath & Beyond and grab that hand sanitizer and spell it, if I don't think about Disneyland, I'd be like, what's wrong with my brain? The difference, though, is that you're saying, oh, no, my brain made an association and isn't that awful. Your brain has made an association. It doesn't know it's, it doesn't know you think it's awful, nor does it care. It has made an association. Great. There it is. But controlling your breath is not the way out of it, is not the way to destroy the obsession. In fact, it is only going to serve the purpose of reinforcement. So... All right, Roger, I will let you go. Thank you so much for your question. I'm going to slide that music in right here. Everybody, thank you so much for letting me be part of your recovery story. Again, if you have a question, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. Send me a message over there. Again, send your audio question over at um, Instagram uh, or at uh, Fearcast Podcast. I am Fearcast Podcast on uh, Instagram. Check me out over there. Click the follow button if you so choose to. Anyways, I put some stuff up there. Sometimes it's adorable. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's really annoying, probably. Anyways, so I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful week um, and um, are, are continuing to work on challenging themselves and pushing pushing their limits. So please remember, everybody, that the fear cast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in 
your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, click on the find help link, and there's going to be some information for you there. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.